Zoom in on global affairs with insightful debates and exclusive interviews. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tian Wei. COP28 is set to convene later this week on November the 30th in the UAE. Chinese President Xi Jinping will send his special representative, Ding Shixiang, a member of the Standing Committee of the Politburo of the CPC, Central Committee and Vice Premier of the State Council. It's been eight years since the Paris Agreement, yet the world has barely made any progress yet on climate targets. With time quickly running out to prevent irresistible harm, as some say, from global warming, discussions have shifted to how the world should adapt to far deadlier heat waves, megastorms, and catastrophic sea level rise. Meanwhile, new technologies have been on the rise. Renewables, the use of it, have become such a beautiful scene in our world today. So what can COP28 achieve pragmatically? On that, let's talk to our panelists. I'm joined in London, Isabel Hilton, founder of China Dialogue, also visiting professor at King's College London. In Vienna, Anis Bayarek Taravish, professor and chairperson with the International Law and Global Political Studies. And in Beijing, Ma Jun, director of the Institute for Public and Environmental Affairs, founder of Blue Map App. Ladies and gentlemen, what a pleasure to see you once again. I hope our discussion about the climate change is not just taking place when the COP28 is ongoing. Having said that, though, this meeting is crucial, as always. But how much can be achieved, Isabel? There's always expectation at these meetings. They are very large. They are very cumbersome. And frankly, if the ground hasn't been well prepared before the conference of other parties, it's very difficult to get an effective result. So I think there's an increasing feeling that these meetings are absolutely necessary, but they are certainly not sufficient. And having said that, we've had a year of increasingly urgent and alarming reports on the impacts of climate change. But I still don't really have the sense that the kind of difficulties of getting everybody to agree to everything Mm. uh, have or can be overcome at these meetings. So I think what we will increasingly see is that these meetings will continue because, as I say, they are essential to try and involve everyone in a global problem, but that we also increasingly look to side uh, meetings to conferences of uh, or at least um, groups of of willing actors who are move who are prepared to move faster mm. to look to look to them for real action. Mm. Uh, one of, one of the problems with the COP, you know, is is this uh, is making a spectacle out of it, you know. So so it's very common the, uh, it, and and it's a business as usual, you know, for different international instruments to have periodic reviews of the of the homework done by the by the signatory or or states that are ratifying things. So with the with the conference of party related to the uh, UNFCCC or mm. Framework Convention on Climate Change, and the and the protocols um, is is a little bit um, uh, creating a spectacle of it. It's important to to let's say to popularize issues, but at the sa- at the same time we can be getting into trivialization of the of the entire issue. Right. Use it as a buzzword. Use it in a nomadic fashion. You know, from topic to to topic. You know, a few years about one topic, then we abandon the issues and the topic, and we move to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, climate climate alarmism, no. 
but scientifically backed and scientifically proven uh, 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 action and alert is important. But yeah. very often it's, it's also sliding into the direction of alarmism, uh, the, the environmental or climate change alarmism, which is used for politicking. Mm. then this misuse for the daily political issues is is maybe one of the biggest damages and when you I create see. such a big event out of cop private organizations like yours what are you seeking for how much outcome do you expect as uh, isabel said uh, it's uh, it's hard to substitute it you know the the this issue of climate change is getting so um so serious and um uh, and, and the challenge so pressing. So mm. it, it, it needs the whole world to come together to, to resolve that. And um, uh, uh, I, I think UN, the United Nations, UNFCCC, I think the whole uh, COP is, uh, uh, is a process that is uh, it's hard, to, mm. uh, hard to bypass. You know, we have to depend on that, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately. And um, uh, uh, this year, uh, this COP28 uh, is uh, is uh, particularly important because okay. it will be the first stock take taken, you know, after Paris Agreement uh, uh, was uh, was signed. And um, uh, what happened during the past seven eight years? Mm -hmm. uh, the, there, uh, okay. the whole world uh, need a need a need an answer to that. Right about triple renewable double efficiency. Let's see whether that is achievable. Uh, Isabel, renewable has become such a strong force in our energy consumption these days worldwide. What do we need in order to make it even more abundant and make sure the cost will be down? What do you think are the most important factors? Whether COP28 will be able to provide some momentum for that? Well, the, the cost has come down enormously since this whole process started. Um, and in fact, and China has played a, an enormous part in that because China's capacity to manufacture at scale is so important. So that if you are building a new energy system, the cost of building a renewable system is rather, you know, is, is, is at par with uh. building new coal or, or new gas at this point. There are other technical difficulties like how to manage grid when you get uh, renewables at the kind of scale we're talking about. You have a very different uh, requirements and pressures on an, on an electrical grid. So that is an additional technical problem. Um, and of course, as you say, the other problem is mobilizing new finance and ensuring that we don't lock, it, lock ourselves in to new fossil fuel mm. at this point. So finance is always uh, the issue at, at COP. Uh, there has been some progress. There's a feeling, of course, it's never enough, certainly mm -hmm. in terms of public finance. So a lot of the conversation now uh, at this COP will be about uh, how to mobilize more yeah. private finance or private investment, how to get that blend of public and private, which uh, mitigates the risk for private finance, but gets the volume of private finance involved. Mm. And actually the host country and the other Gulf states, which are petro rich states, they're states which have made enormous, you know, fortunes out of oil and gas, mm -hmm. um, are being encouraged, I think, to uh, switch their investment focus into renewables. Uh, whether the Climate issue will be used as a method for trade protectionism, how to avoid that so that goal, positive goals can be pushed from both directions. Uh, that, that's it's always crucial, isn't it? 
yes, uh, uh, since you spelled the word UNIDO, UNIDO is one of the specialized agencies of the United Nations, and unfortunately, after the collapse of Soviet Union, the first next move that United States and United Kingdom have done was to walk out of the organization. And the organization has been created for the even development of the planet on a request of Global South. So there were processes back to 40s and the 50s mm. in which actually the, develop, uh, the developing countries of the South said, okay, trade, yes, but give us also possibility, a fair share possibility mm. and prospect of development itself. Right. And one uh, detached uh, part of it was into Geneva with UNCTAD with the Conference on Trade and Development, and the other was creation of the Specialized Agency of United Nations, one of the 15 specialized agencies on industrial development. And those are the signals that have been sent. So basically, when we come to the topics of climate change, we come again to those questions of the or the issues of the developed uh, uh, part of the world sure. and uh, and the developing world, the transfers of technology, the uh, burden sharing and all other things. Mm. Um, uh, definitely, definitely, you know, the renewables would give us an incentive to uh, to go into the direction of the of the of the of the uh, research and development will boost certain sectors. But this is foolish to believe that at the present approach, we can replace or dramatically change our primary energy mix, which is heavily uh, uh, leaning on the carbonics. So this is this is absolutely unscientific, and this is absolutely, I would say, uh, the politicking aventurism to claim and to promise to your population, to your voters, uh, by next Thursday we're gonna uh, be all on renewables mm. and we can cut we can cut uh, usage of carbonics. But but the, but the difficulty that we're facing is that the most efficient way historically to meet energy demand. Uh, which all our societies need has been through fossil fuels, and the mm. effort now is to substitute that with uh, with fuels that don't damage uh, yeah. the climate. Mm. Now that is an enormous. Obviously, we all know that's an enormous transition, um, but it's one that we are now absolutely. Uh, we have to do it, or, or if we don't do it, then you know we are on the edge of of changing the climate in ways that we can no longer control and that will be far far more okay. damaging than right than, than Jin, uh, your thoughts on this as uh, as the two distinguished guests has mentioned that uh, there's still demand for fossil fuel there's actually a rising demand unfortunately for uh fossil fuel due to mm. the uh the, the conflict in uh, in europe and um uh and, and, and but on the other hand, uh, uh, we are seeing the uh, uh, the renewable energy uh, developed and deployed uh, at an unprecedented uh, speed uh, and scale mm. uh, globally. Um, the the last two years only on the solar PV side, you know, it's a kind of developed. It's being uh, you know increased by fifty percent, and in China. The last two years, it's uh, it's all above that that rate. And um, this year, you know, we uh, it, uh, it, 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 it's increased by nearly 90 percent in mm -hmm. in China. And right. um, uh, so we're tracking the, the, the whole uh, expansion of renewable energy. Um, and uh, we, we can see that China is on track to achieve its 2030 target set for wind and solar uh, by 2025. And um, uh, 
So we're on our way to uh, uh, to over overachieve the global uh, renewable energy target, mm. which can support a net zero uh, uh, path. You know, uh, in a uh, scenario um, designed by uh, by uh, by IEA. Once upon a time, in a land not so very far away. Stories were told of the brave and the bold. The whole court fell silent to hear what the great warrior Mulan might ask for. Of mighty deities and powerful immortals. Immediately, the shimmering skin started to grow before his eyes. Of fated love and love sanctified. In dawn's golden light, New Lang said, Marry me. Of great journeys across fantastical landscapes. So the cat and the mouse climbed on the dog's back and the dog swam across the broad river. In the company of friends and enemies and unimagined beasts. Good to see you. Of ordinary folk with tantalizing stories to tell. Heroes and heroines all. It's incredible. How did you do that? Tales of sad sacrifice and victories snatched from the jaws of defeat. Stories of the wise, the accomplished and the quick of mind. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Zoom in on global affairs with insightful debates and exclusive interviews. This is World Insight. We understand China and the United States recently, during the uh, APEC Economic Leaders Week, have been agreeing on a blueprint, something about post-China-U.S. Uh, joint statement on climate change back to tripling renewables to substitute coal, oil, gas, power, and bring about post-peaking meaningful absolute power sector emission reduction. What does that mean, Jun? China and U.S. Uh, has, uh, has made uh, a, uh, an agreement in, uh, in actually in Glasgow, but unfortunately all this uh, uh, bilateral and um, geopolitical tension have uh, derailed the whole process. And, uh, and this time, you know, we are very, very encouraged to see the two countries again come together to try to address this, uh, this uh, challenge that, uh, that the whole world is facing. These two countries put together uh, it, it has a emission, uh, you know, has accounted for 40% of the global carbon emission, and um, and it's crucial for them to uh, to to really take a very practical and uh, active uh, play active roles to to solve the problem. The two have a two two countries have agreed. Uh, that uh, this decade is uh, is crucial. So mm -hmm. a uh, working group uh, have been set up to try to uh, address the climate change issue. And this time, 
uh, finally, you know, this working group will be put into operation. Mm -hmm. uh, and then another very, very important step taken is to uh, is for the two to agree on the issue of methane. And um, and the two countries have decided that uh, to, to host a global methane uh, summit during the COP meeting. I think this uh, all this will be very, very helpful for the work to come together. Isabel? How much political will is there? Well, there's certainly more than there was six months ago. I think we can say, as 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 Majin has has rightly pointed out, this is an, a set of a set of commitments made in Glasgow. That's already two cops ago, but events uh, rather uh, knocked everything off track. I think you know if the two if the world's two biggest emitters can't work together, then then there's very little hope for the process. Mm. So I do think that the United States and China owe it to the rest of the world uh, to try to maintain the momentum on climate, regardless of other geopolitical tensions, because those tensions, right. I'm afraid, will continue to exist. We live in a very disturbed world. Right. But on on methane, which which again, Majun mentioned, you know, that's a massive opportunity to buy ourselves time. An agreement here that basically the the the, the, the recent summit of um, APEC and also a meeting of the two two leaders of the two largest economies and most probably the most influential countries of the world was a confidence building measures or, mm. or, or reapproachment, rapprochement, and uh, that basically uh, it send it send uh, tranquilizing political messages because the, the buzzword, I mean, if you want really to be serious on climate change is de-escalation of everything that escalates and divides us. And unfortunately, mm. uh, since the since the uh, 2019, we have been we have been accumulating, uh, uh, let's say, issues and the problems and even the open conflicts uh, uh, on the planet that was uh, that were sharply dividing us and, and creating yeah. a rift so so this is the the most important message and this is my interpretation of let's say the uh, let's say high level high impact delegation from china coming to okay. the emirates basically first and most of all sending a political signal of reapproachment and willingness to cooperate constructively on any issue and then, of course, very much including the, the climate change. Uh, I feel important to mention, you know, alarmism. Uh, while listening to our distinguished colleagues, I, I recall the wording, the alarmistic wording of the uh, club, club of Rome, uh, which started back to late 60s, early 70s, nearly 70, 80, uh, 50, 60 years ago. Uh, and practically, we have sporadic uh, alarmism. Then it was the, 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 the uh, Stockholm conference, then Rio summit, then Johannesburg. Every time we said, okay, planet is running short, we have to do this because in two months, uh, you know, the planetary yeah. collapse will happen. All those things were important to raise the awareness, but they've been also trivializing issues. So I think we have to give. Uh, when we talk about climate change, we have to give more say to the real scientists, those people who are not expressing themselves very well, who are not passing the trainings on public diplomacy and PR. Those people are actually holding the merits on this topic. Of course, politics is important. Without political will, we will not move. And I'm afraid if we are serious, we have to revisit the chapters of Nikola Tesla, my countryman, but the problem with the with the Tesla, Teslian uh, uh, technologies is that you cannot monopolize them 
and it's very difficult actually to yield profits out of them. I, I see. So, but if you are ser- if you are serious on profit profits, we will then play the the the, the same old tirade. But if we are really significantly in- interested in a significant change on this planet and the contribution of human beings, you know, then we should revisit uh, really sincerely the philosophy of the new approach to technology of Nikola Tesla. My final question for all of you is what it means when new technologies such as those related to solar renewables and things like that combined with AI, artificial intelligence, have we been working on technologies to understand the potential? How much energy is being put into here vis-a-vis the everlasting uh, geopolitical debate or the everlasting what 1.5 degrees would do to all of us? Uh, I think that is also an important question, isn't it, Jun? Yes, absolutely. I think that the whole world is facing already, uh, you know, triple uh, planet planetary uh, crisis, uh, uh, pollution, biodiversity losses, and uh, of course, climate change. But in the meantime, AI, artificial intelligence, uh, have created all this huge, great, you know, uh, uh, potential for mm-hmm. uh, human. But in the meantime, also generate all these risks and dangers. So I think what we can do is to manage the risk, but in the meantime, try to tap this technology as much as possible to to make it, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, for for okay. good use, uh, yeah. you know, to try to help accelerate uh, the development and deployment of, uh, let's say, renewable energy and um, new energy vehicles and, uh, uh, and and I think artificial intelligence uh, uh, can play such a such a vital role. If we can see that uh, you know the last uh, 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 more than ten years, just slightly more than ten years, with the cost of all this renewable energy can drop by eighty percent globally, and on the solar side, ninety five percent. I think there's a there's a big potential for right. us to uh, to further. And, and the use uh, of new material, you know, lithium, as we say, is providing the raw materials for the batteries of uh, electronic cars. So this is a, a very different time we're talking about. So, Isabel. Yes, well, as you say, we're on the threshold of, of even more uh, uh, technological leaps and new materials, but we have developed new technologies. We have, it's important not to get too gloomy, we have made progress. And I think that increasingly, uh, rather than at the COPs where things default to the lowest common denominator because everyone is involved, we will see increasingly coalitions of the willing exploring the opportunity. Anise. Uh, look, uh, of, uh, technology, of course, we can't be regressive, you know, so, so there are plenty of technologies, fascinating technologies, you know, but what is what is also important to, to mention, there is no silver bullet. What is required is a, co- uh, is a multi-sectoral and multi-generational approach, which is beyond one political span. Mm. And part of this alarmism comes, you know, when you are newly elected, you know, if you, if you follow, you know, all uh, inaugurational speeches of any president of the planet, we are living in the critical moment. This is the decisive moment because they are giving to themselves the importance. The, the issues are uh, uh, cross-sectoral, cross-generational, and we will not finish them in a one political cycle of three, four, even of eight years. 
and this is i mean this approach like any approach you know to to humanize you know our living on this planet requires lot of lot of patience and steady efforts of all of all actually stakeholders in every society and i think this message has to be sent not not nomadic ravial uh, spectacles you know we have to be prepared you know exactly as the colleagues we are telling to 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 be a part of the process which is not bringing you know the the effective rewards you know next mm-hmm. day it's a steady work as the life itself you know the life is journey not a destination <laughs> well with that philosophical note we can wrap up today's conversation we hope the cop 28 will be more successful than we could ever imagine of course as all of you said it only starts with the real work on the ground anis isabel jun Thank you so much. All the best. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And that's all the time we have for today. I'm Tian Wei on behalf of the team. Thanks for being with us. Bye for now.